Good morning, church. Y'all may be seated. If you would, turn your Bibles to, just so you know I'm loud. I'm sorry. Um, If you would, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. The message that God put on my heart this morning, I've titled it, Why We Sin and What We Can Do About It. So it kind of goes along with what Chris preached last week. There will be some, some of the same verses towards the end. Um, before I start, I want to just give you a little, some of you all might not know, I was raised in an Amish Mennonite church. And I was raised very Pelagian, very Arminian, that God never gave a law that we can't follow. We choose to or we choose not to. And then years later, I was saved, or I I started going to a Southern Baptist church, and I was saved. And I was taught that if I pray this prayer, that I would be, didn't matter what I did, I was saved. I was going to heaven. Problem was, is that didn't line up with Scripture for me. It didn't work for me. I just, I couldn't find that in my Bible. And I do believe in once saved, always saved. But not in the way that many Baptists today preach it or believe it. Well then, God started reforming me as I read my Bible and I studied. And I, God started reforming my soteriology and my, how I believed the Bible. How, what I thought about God. And I was taught that if you're a Christian, you don't sin. But I still sinned. I still sin today. How does that mesh? And I struggled with that for years. That the evidence of our salvation is that we don't sin. I was taught that. I found that in the Bible. And so this morning, I want to flesh that out. I want to what God showed me in how we can sin but not be sinners in the eyes of God. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 1, we're just going to read a few verses, verses 18 through 25. I guess that's a little bit more than a few. Um, but if you have your Bibles, we will, we will read that. Hear now the word of the Lord. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His, God's invisible attributes, God's eternal power, and God's divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that They are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile and their speculation and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. 
For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your love and your kindness, your grace to us. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word. I pray this morning, Lord, as I, as I preach your word, that you would remove me and that you would be here. The things I say would be your words and not my words. Lord, if I say anything that isn't true, that they would forget it. But if, Lord, if anything benefits them, that they would glorify you. And so, Father, I just ask your blessing. We love you and praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the very first thing we see here, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And we have to ask, what is wrath? Why? Think about this. The Bible tells us in 1 John that God is love, right? God is love. How can a being that is not just loves, but is love, how could he have wrath? Have you thought about that? I struggled with that for years. Matter of fact, I go out and people tell me, God is not angry. God doesn't hate. God doesn't. And I show them verses and they say, well, that's not in my Bible. So what does wrath mean? In the Blue Letter Bible, wrath means anger or agitation of the soul, a violent emotion, indignation, or anger exhibited in punishment. So God does have wrath. What is this wrath? Why, 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 why does it matter to us what wrath is? Why is God mad at us? Or why is God mad at the world? He really isn't mad at us, guys. He's not. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He will discipline you when you sin. But who, where does wrath come? Where, who is the wrath towards? Well, he says... For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So if you look, just so you know, I, I will cover a lot of Bible verses. If you, you'll stay a lot more focused if you want to follow along with me. And I didn't mark any of these, so I have to go to them myself. Um, but anyway, you can, Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we, we see a picture of who God's wrath is directed at. And he says in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, And you were dead. He's talking, Paul is talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He says that you, I, we were dead. Spiritually had no desire for God, no longing for God. No, we, we didn't care what God said. It was all about me, myself, and I. I wanted God's glory. I wanted that glory to fall on me. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And verse 3, pay attention to this. Among them we too all formerly walked or formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. We were children of wrath. And those that are not in Christ are children of wrath. They, when, when people tell you that God loves everyone, or you hear someone say God loves everyone, 
You have to go back to this verse. Now, God does give everyone sunshine and rain, but they lie under His wrath, His anger. For what? What is He angry about? What is wrath can be explained as fierce, hot wrath or white hot anger. He's, he's angry because of ungodliness and unrighteousness. Now, why would, isn't, isn't ungodliness and unrighteousness the same thing? Have you thought about that? Is there a difference? Why would Paul tell the church ungodliness and unrighteousness? There is a difference. Ungodliness, you see, God created us in His image. To, to everything that God created, I'm going to Genesis chapter 1 just so you know. Um, everything that God created, He created to bring Himself glory. Everything, including you and me. The animals, the birds. And I want you to think about this. In Genesis, I'm just going to read just a few thoughts here. God said, let there be light. And there was light. It obeyed Him, didn't it? If you love me, we'll keep my commandments. It obeyed Him. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Verse 7, and it was so. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters below the heavens gather into one place. And it was so. Verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. And it was so. Then God, verse 14, God said, let there be light. And it was so, down the end of the verse, or verse end of 15. He says, then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. And God saw it was good. It did what it said. God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. To this day, they're obeying that. They're obeying that command. The animals, the fish, the birds are obeying the command to be fruitful and multiply. They didn't say, oh, the, the, the ocean is overpopulated, let's quit. The sky is overpopulated, let's quit. And then God does something completely. Or in verse 24, He says, let the earth bring forth creatures, animals. And again, He told them to be fruitful and multiply, and they obeyed. And God does something completely different. Everything else that God created... Brothers and sisters, he created with the power of his word. When we go build a house, we do something different. When we build a house, we have to go buy lumber and nails and all kinds of stuff. Right? There were no nails. There was no lumber. There was no dirt. There was nothing. And God created with the power of his words. And it all happened. But in verse 26, God says something different. He says, let us. That's another sermon. But let us make man in our image. That's a long one, sorry. Um, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, right? He, he made us. He didn't just speak us into existence. He, he literally, in, in chapter 2, he takes dirt and he forms a man. He breathes the breath of life in it. He does something different. The animals, the birds, the, the light, nothing else was created in God's image. And to this day, everything else brings God glory. The great galaxies, the great stars of heaven stand in one spot and spin as long as God says to. The ocean comes this far and no further. The animals will fruitful and multiply. The grass comes up every year. And God says, glorify me. And we say, I will not. 
That's what we say every time we sin. God created us to glorify Him. We shouldn't need ungodliness. We should know God created us in His image to bring Him glory, and we should know what that is, but yet we won't. We won't. So what is unrighteousness then? If that is ungodliness, what is unrighteousness? Unrighteousness, and I don't, I'm not going to go through all these, but if you look, after we refuse to do what God said, God gave us His law. Unrighteousness is literally breaking the law that God gave us. We, we should know ungodliness is failing to bring God glory. Failing, He made us to reflect Him, to, to bring Him glory. To, in front of the rest of creation, we are made in His image and we're supposed to bring Him glory. But everything else does that wasn't created in His image. So God comes down. He, he condescends, comes down on Mount Sinai and He gives us His law, His very word. He condescends to speak to the creatures that He created to bring Him glory in His image who hate Him. That's unrighteousness. And you see it in, in the Ten Commandments. God gives four of them that point towards God, to love God. The middle one is kind of honor your father and your mother is, is towards man and towards God. And the last, the last five are pointing us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we all fail to do that. Jesus boiled those Ten Commandments down to two commandments. He said that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors we love ourselves. Paul went further. Not that he went against Jesus. He said the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said that in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, by the way. And Paul talks about this in Galatians 5. He says the fulfillment of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself. Why, why, why could Paul say that? Because God commanded to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? He said, and if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we are loving God by obeying His commandment. Does that make sense? So that's ungodliness and unrighteousness. Uh, going back to our text this morning, um, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress. They hold it down. It's like taking a basketball and hold it under the water you know sit on it as soon as you get off it pops up we it's in there we know we all know we all have we all have re, uh, general revelation sorry i couldn't think of the word we all have general revelation by everything that's made and we're going to get to that in just a minute so he's mad he's angry because these creatures that he created in his image that he specially created and formed and put together we suppress his truth and he says, because that which may be known of, about God is evident within them. Why? Because God made it evident to them. Every one of us. We all know. We all know. And then Paul, I'm convinced that Paul is thinking about Adam and Eve. And every creature that lived after, I'm convinced this, he's talking about Adam and he takes it back to creation. And that, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3 um, with, with this little section here. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, being His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. 
so that they are without excuse. We can look in the eyes of a baby and know that couldn't evolve. We can look at the trees and the way it comes up. The grass comes up every spring and we see that cycle of, of dying and resurrection every year. We see that. We, we, we can know that this couldn't have just happened. We look at the building and we say, did the building evolve? Well, no, there was, it didn't. It, was, it had a builder. Somebody built, built it. Something as minute as a building, and yet we say this whole creation evolved. We don't. They do. Friends, brothers and sisters, sorry, you have to forgive me. I'm used to preaching on the street, and I call everybody friends. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. We I forgot my thought. Anyway. God's eternal power. Everything that God made, we can look around us and see. That is, that's created. That's made as a creator. It, his power. We can look, we, we can know that we had to go get stuff, but God didn't have to go get stuff. He just made it. He created it with the power of his word. And he says this, he says, for even though they knew God, they did not. My Bible says honor. I believe the right word is glorify. We have to look at that for just a second. The word um, glorify is doxadzo in Greek. Or that word honor. I'm convinced that the right word as in the Legacy Standard Bible is, is honor or is glorify. It says, in, and I'll show you why, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Aren't they the same, sinned and falling short of glorifying God? Once again, we have that same idea there as we have with ungodliness and unrighteousness, right? Uh, even, even that word there, glorify, is doxa, doxa or something like that, D-O-X-A, doxa. Um, it is the idea of that we have, failed to bring glory to God. We have failed to obey His Word, right? So we have sinned. Sin is lawlessness, is breaking God's law, right? And we have failed to glorify God. God created us for that purpose and that. So I believe the right word here is they failed to glorify God. And so how did they? How did they fail to glorify God? In Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read the first three verses. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from the, any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit, and she ate, 
And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So we have to ask, what happened here? Did they glorify God? Did they, did they believe God? You see, when, when, when Adam and Eve, God had told them that you will die. But the devil comes and says, no, you won't die. You're, you're not going to die. Matter of fact, you're going to become like God. You, you, you will be like God if, if you eat from that tree. And they were convinced, wait a minute. Maybe Eve was. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.14, it says that Adam was not deceived, but Eve being deceived fell into transgression. Eve, I'm convinced that Eve was convinced that she would be, why, why serve God? I can have the glory of God. I can be God. I can be like Him. Why, why, why serve Him? Why? That's how they didn't honor Him. They didn't, they didn't glorify Him. They didn't believe Him anymore. The Bible tells us that they became futile. They became futile. Some, some Bibles use a different word. So what, what, what does he mean, they became futile? And how does, I believe that word futile is kind of like uh, in, I believe it, it's like a worthlessness. If you look at the Blue Letter Bible, it kind of uses the word worthlessness, useless. In Romans 3, 11 and 12, it says, There is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become useless. That's, that's what happens when we sin. That's how Adam and Eve, they were no longer of any value to God. They, they, they had they'd broken that covenant that, that, or that, His word. So they didn't honor Him. They didn't glorify Him. Nor did they give thanks. Now, let's back up. I will go on with the... How do we not honor God? How do we not glorify God? Have you thought about that? How does that work in our lives? Do, do we believe God all the time? Or do we sometimes believe the creature? How often do, how many people have you ever spoke to, well, my pastor says this. My pastor says this. You should not believe anything I say today unless you can back it up with scripture. Not even one word. You should Yourself, you should, we're, a matter of fact, we're called in 1 Corinthians 14, we're called to judge the speaker, to judge what he said. And it says that they became futile, they became worthless. And they weren't thankful. How do we know they weren't thankful? Again, back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. God had told them. Chapter 1, verse 29, it says, God said, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It, is, it shall be food for you. And in chapter 2, verse 16, he says, The Lord commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may eat freely. And Eve even admits to Satan, she says, 
The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we made. How do we know they weren't thankful? They wanted that which they weren't told they could have. How, do, how often do you see that in yourself? How often do you see it in your children? But mom, I wanted that. Dad, I, you, you gave him something. Well, yeah. How often do we look at our neighbor's car, his house, or his job, or men, his wife, or ladies, his husband? How often do we look at our neighbor and wish that we had that which God, but we don't have? Even as Christians, they weren't thankful. When we want that which God has not blessed us with, we are unthankful. We're not thankful for what God has already given us. And God considers that sin. It's coveting. It can lead to idolatry. It can lead to uh, hate. We do, they, did, they weren't thankful. It became futile. And so what happens? What happens to them? It says that God gave them over. Because... They weren't thankful. They started to, it says, they professed to be wise and became fools. How did, how did that happen? How did they profess to be wise and become fools? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, When the woman saw, at this moment she didn't believe God. Based on what is said here, I don't believe they were at the tree. I believe they went to the tree. I believe she went after Satan said this. She went to the tree. She started doubting God. She started, he had put a thought in her head against God. How often does somebody say one little thing? Or somebody does something and we, this thought comes in our head and it grows. Think about it. Even as Christians, it grows. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Whoa, wait a minute. God said don't eat from that tree. Eve even was convinced he said don't touch it. Now either Eve lied or, or Adam had told her don't touch it. I, I don't know which for sure. Um, Philip pointed that out to me one time. That Adam was the one who was supposed to teach her and he he must have either told her wrong because she said she wasn't even supposed to touch it. But God didn't say that, did he? And so this thought come into her head, wait a minute, I could be God. I don't, I don't have to serve. If I eat from that, God's withholding from me. He's holding back. I could have more. Happens to us every day. We see something, we hear something, and then we profess to be wise. She professed to be smarter than God and became a fool. Every time we sin, we profess to be smarter than God and we become a fool. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God. Instead of believing, instead of glorifying God, they glorified something else. 
That's what we do. When we sin, that's what we do. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And what did God do? Brothers and sisters, remember something. If you have ever been addicted to any kind of, or not even addicted, but maybe in, maybe I should better word is enslaved. If we've ever been enslaved, porn, alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, hate, anger, greed. If you have been enslaved in it, you should know this. That when you fall, I've counseled numerous drunks in my life who have professed, who believed that Jesus Christ, were convinced they believed. And they would do great for a long time. And then something would happen in their life and they would fall off the wagon. And once they fell off, they had to go through a binge. They had to drink more and more and more. And they, had, they went through a time of drunkenness. Same way with alcohol, same way with porn, same way with, with anger, hate. Once it's in there, it's it just like it starts, it has to, once you let it in, it permeates there for a little while until you turn back to Christ. But why don't we turn back to Christ immediately? The Bible makes it very plain that our sin separates us from, even as Christians. Friends, although there is no condemnation, we are disciplined and our sin separates us from our God. What happened to Adam and Eve? It says in Genesis 3.8, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I have in, in a little bitty written here in my Bible, this is what happens to us when we sin. I don't remember when I wrote that, but in 20, verse 23 and 25, he goes on, he says, the Lord, it says, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden. God separates himself from sin. He says, he drove the man out. Literally drove the man out. And he did more than that. He put a wall with a flaming sword that turned every direction. He says, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flashing sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, if you are in Christ, God does not, you are his child. He deals with you different. There is no condemnation. He, if you are in Christ, he disciplines you. And it can be hard discipline. Know this. But our sin still makes a separation. In Isaiah 59 verse 2, God makes it plain. It's your sin that separates you from your God. It is our sin that causes us to run from God, literally. To hide ourselves from God. Why? Because... We know that God is holy and righteous. And we, we, we know that we don't want to be, we, we also know that He's all-powerful and all-knowing. It should cause us to fear. It should cause us to run. 
But God, it says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sin has hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now understand this. If you're in Christ, you're, that sin is paid for. But it still will bring, it will still bring discipline in your life. If you're not in Christ, if you have not trusted Christ, then it does. It separates the sin that you're in. It separates you. It has separated you from God. Why did they sin? Why did Adam and Eve eat the fruit? What was ultimately the reason? I'll give you two verses. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, God says something. And the Lord God took the man, sorry, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. Verse 17, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And Satan says, verse three, chapter 3, verse 4, he says, The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. Who did they believe? It's belief. A lot of times we don't recognize. So many people, we, we as humans, we make salvation into, into doing something. We, 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 we want to do that. We, we're convinced, even many of your Arminian friends would say, oh no, if you can get them to, a matter of fact, I went out when I was in seminary, I went out with a young man who my boys are in business with, went out with a young man and, and, and we were required in seminary to, um, to go out and do some evangelism, right? And this young man, I only went out with him once. After that, I was like, no way. I mean, he would find people and he would run up to them and say, do you want to go to heaven? And we were driving along in the hood in Fort Worth. He sees this kid and he says, he said, let's talk to that guy. He stops his truck and he gets out and runs. That kid's hand goes like this. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's fixing, he's fixing to shoot us. And he's like, do you want to go to heaven? His hand, and I, I knew he had grabbed the hold of it. And I'm like, he says, look, if you want to go to heaven, if you, if you, say the, if you pray this prayer, you'll go to heaven. And then he, the guy didn't want to pray. And the guy, he's like, okay, I'll pray. So he prayed an elaborate prayer. And he said, do you agree with that? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. You're in the kingdom, buddy. You're going to heaven no matter what you do from here on. You're going to heaven. That's, we're convinced we can get, do something and we're in heaven. But the Bible says a different story. It was those words that, that made me think those words about believe they didn't believe and why why didn't they believe Paul warned us in Acts chapter 20 Paul warned us that it would happen that it guys you should know that it it happens today those those men that are out there preaching those things the Bible has words for them in Acts chapter 20 Paul, before he goes to Jerusalem, he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. 
And those men who speak these things, they are sincere. They really believe they're right. They've been deceived. We're going to look at that word deceived in a minute, but I just want you to know that we, we have a tendency to believe people we like. Or somebody stands up and preaches, or they do it several times, maybe a lot of times. We, we love our elders, don't we? We want to believe them, don't we? I, I, we? You have no idea how blessed you are, how blessed we are to have Chris, Jeremy, and Daniel for elders here. I have not found, I have not caught Chris preaching something that I didn't agree with yet. He has all, I've always agreed with his sermons. And I, it probably goes a lot deeper into him than I do. But anyway, that being said, we are blessed to have men who are truly concerned about the scripture and not trying to draw the men after them. As I said earlier, I said the Bible tells us that Eve was deceived. But I want you to understand, I'm not putting women down. It's not, it's not that women, I, I do believe that women can be deceived easier than men. I, I'm convinced of that, and I, that's a long story. I'd rather not say it in mixed company. I'll explain it to your husbands if you want me to, and they can come and tell you. I don't want anybody throwing rocks yet. That being said, the word deceived is in the New Testament three times. Uh, other than that one about Eve. So in 1 Corinthians... Paul, writing to the church, why would Paul have to tell the church to not be deceived? Have you thought about that? Man, we're, we're Christians, right? Why would Paul have to tell, especially the early Christians, they were all perfect, right? He says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, Do not be deceived, for the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He had to say these things because they didn't know do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves. Wait a minute, just thieves. How about just wanting to steal, nor the covetous, nor the drunkard, nor revilers, nor swindlers, when hurt the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Brothers and sisters, we can be, we are Eve's descendants. Every one of us. Not just the ladies here. You and I, men, us, we are her descendants. We can be deceived. We hear things that feeds our flesh that we love. We want it, we, we want it to be true and we just grab onto it. That's my truth. Instead of going to the Word of God. Again, in Galatians, Galatians 5, Paul again, speaking to the church, says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will reap corruption, and the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Why would Paul have to tell the church this? Because we, as Christians, can be deceived. The Bible actually uses it once more in James. And this one has always been fascinating to me. In James chapter 1, again, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, for every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Wait a minute, I thought it was me. I worked hard for that. Wasn't it about me? I went and found my good wife. Right? No. 
he points out, obviously these Christians were convinced that it was about them. He says, every, good, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. We can be deceived. And we oftentimes, something makes us think, men, that that truck over there that our friend has, boy, I'd sure like to have that truck or that nice tractor. We, we covet after that which God has given to someone else, and in our hearts we steal it. In our hearts we steal it. Why do we do that? We're Christians. Why? Why do we? Because we, we, we are deceived. Here's another thing. Something happened to these brothers and sisters, or to, to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the garden. They professed to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God. They, they started glorifying something else. And what happened? God gave them over to the lusts of their heart, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And what did they do? Why did God do that? For they exchanged, listen to these words. I have recognized this in my life. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Every time we sin, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. And we do something even worse. We worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed for every man. Why? Why would we as Christians do this? Why would we believe the lies of the world? Again, I believe it's a failure to truly believe. I did this with... Erica, the other day, last Sunday, actually. Um, there's a very important word in there that we sometimes fail to recognize. If I looked at you and said, I can see that you're dying. I can look in your eyes and you have a disease and you're fixing to die. And if you take this, you'll live. Would anybody eat it? Why not? You don't believe me, do you? It's exactly how it works for us with the gospel. Unless God does it, unless he changes you, and it's not by saying words. And I will prove that. People always go to Romans chapter 10, right? Well, we have to add, the Bible even tells us, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It's not from yourself. It's not your faith. You weren't born with it. You were dead. Jesus says you were dead. Lazarus was dead. And he could only be raised from the dead through the word of God. So how do we come alive? How do we get this gift? How do we get the gift of God if, it, if, if it's a gift? If, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that faith is not your own. It is a gift of God. How do I get this gift? The Bible literally tells us that, answers that question. It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Literally, our faith grows when we're in the word of God. 
I have to take just a moment and go to first, um, Romans, sorry. Y'all have to forgive me. My mind doesn't work as, sharp, as fast as it used to. And I'm, not, I'm out of practice in preaching too. I haven't preached in the pulpit in a long time. In Romans chapter 9, I've heard many people say this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Right? Okay. Who wants to go to heaven? I do. Okay, then confess Jesus as your Lord. Okay, Jesus is my Lord. You're in the kingdom. That is what many things will be preached this morning. All across America, all across this world will be preached that. But look what it says. Not only do we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, wait a minute. There's a word in there, believe. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Have I bored you all yet? Please don't be bored. If, you, if we, we can stop and sing a song if we need to. I really, truly am getting close to being done. I promise. I don't know how long I've been, but anyway. So, brothers and sisters, while there is, I do believe that when you're saved, you will pray. Romans 8.26 makes it plain that we as Christians with the Holy Spirit in us can't pray. We don't know how. The Holy Spirit prays for us. So getting an unsaved person, an unregenerate person, to say words does not save them. As a matter of fact, they're taking God's name in vain. They're blaspheming and you're leading them in it. Preach the gospel to them. Faith comes by hearing. Preach the gospel to them. Tell them the gospel. Know how to give an answer for the hope that is within you. For with a heart, with the heart a person believes. There's just a couple other verses I, I really would like to, us to think about. And one of them is in, in um, John 3.16. I'll just, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever does something. What did the, he has to do something. He has to believe. He has to believe, friends. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. They, they hate God. They're in, yes, Romans chapter 1 says that they are God-haters. Romans chapter 8 says that they are hostile towards God. And down in verse 18 it says, He who does something, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. People sometimes tell me, you're just chasing them further away from God. No, friends, you can't chase them further away from God. They're as far away as they can be. They're dead. And only the Word of God can bring them to life. He who does not believe has been judged already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why. And while we do believe, God gave us the gift of belief. He gave us a gift of faith. Think about that. How was Abraham saved? Have you ever thought about that? How was Abraham saved? In Romans chapter uh, 4, we see it says, 
Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. That's verse 3. And in verse 9 it says, faith was accredited to Abraham as righteousness. He was still saved by a gift of faith. The ability to believe this God that he was at enmity with, that he hated. His father was a pagan worshiper according to Joshua. But he was saved by believing. By having given us the gift of faith. So how can we get the gift of faith? How can we believe? By hearing and hearing the word of Christ. If you're struggling with sin, friends, whatever your sin might be, regardless of what your sin is, hate, anger, lust, you name it, there's only one way. Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit in Galatians, right? Walk by the Spirit. And Jesus tells us, my word is Spirit. I am convinced with everything in me that if you don't have... Yes, you need to have family worship with your children. And yes, sometimes I fail in that. Sometimes I, we're busy and we, we, it gets late. We, when we did it in the morning, we used to always do it in the mornings. And man, we were like clockwork. In the evenings, guess what? It gets late and sometimes we don't have time. Sometimes, Yeah, sometimes you don't always get it done. That's terrible. But this is even worse. One of the reasons I believe we fail to have family worship with our children is because we that's sin, by the way. It's because we fail to personally, to have a personal time alone with God. Every single day, you need to have a time when you are walking in the Spirit and you humble yourself before God. Daniel gave me a book. Man, I love that book. You guys, you, every one of you should buy this book. I should have brought it. I can't remember the name of it. Face to face. You pray the Scriptures. You... And there's a, mo there's a time, there, there's a place in there for petition, there's a place for confession, there's a place for adoration. I mean, it, and it's praying God's word back to him. And it, is, it is really a special time for me. I love that little book. And the reason that we struggle with sin is because we don't know God like we should. We don't recognize that every breath we take, God gives it to us. So how can we walk away? I have just a few verses I want to go over with y'all here, just, just real fast. There is a difference in practicing sin and sinning. In Galatians 5, we see the idea of where it talks about practicing sin. It says, he gives the, the, the works of the flesh, and towards the end he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In John, in first, or, the, or the letter of John, 1 John 3, he again talks about practicing sin. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. And the one who practices righteousness is righteous. Notice the word practice, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned 
from the beginning. We see the idea down in verse 9. It says, no one who is born of God practices sin. The reason we know this, there is a difference. In chapter 1 of the, gospel, of, the, of the first letter of John, he says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We all have sin, every one of us. He goes on in verse 10, he says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We all sin. The difference is, is your life marked by the fruits of the Spirit? That's in Galatians 5. I don't know if I have time to read it, but it's in Galatians 5. Is your, mark by the fruits of, is your life marked by the fruits of the Spirit, or is your life marked by the works of the flesh? Are you putting sin to death, and how can we put it to death? That's what I want to, just a, just a few moments. I want to take a few moments and look at that. How can we put sin to death? Faith comes by hearing. I already said that. If you're struggling with sin, you're not in this enough. You're not in this enough and you're not on your knees enough. If you're struggling with sin. I'm not saying that that will take all of it away. I believe that God leaves sin in our lives to make us run back to the cross. I'm convinced of that. God can forget our sin, but we, we, we don't forget our sin. Right? We, we struggle with it for, for years maybe. Something that we've done that we hate, that we're ashamed of. We, we hate it. But if, if, if I could forget my sin, I could never. If, you, if Aiden asked, well, what, what did God do for you? Well, I don't remember. We're, we're, we're supposed to remember our sin. For one thing, it steers us away from it. We re remember what it made us feel like. But our sin, we, we can walk away through it through the word of God. To some extent. So faith comes by hearing. Again, in Galatians 5, Paul tells us, in Galatians 5 verse 16, he says, walk by the Spirit. And I used to wonder, I, when I read that, I remember years ago when I read that first, I was like, walk by the Spirit? Well, how in the world do I walk by the Spirit? And it was when somebody gave me the blue letter Bible, I looked at the word Spirit, right? And Jesus says, in John 3.63, or 6.63, sorry. He says, my word is spirit. Think about that. He tells us to walk by the spirit, and he gives us his word to walk by it, right? Isn't that awesome? And yet, how often do we not do that? I want you to think about the guy that goes out and buys a brand new truck, right? And the guy says, I'll pay you so much a load to haul bricks. And the guy hauls bricks. He's hauling bricks. After 10 years of hauling bricks, he's looking at his owner's manual one day and realizes, wow, I could have made twice as much money. This thing can hold twice as many bricks as I've been putting on it. This is your owner's manual. Okay? Read your Bible. The Bible tells us in James 4, 7 that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. He will flee from us. And David, or the psalmist, tells us something very important in Psalms 119.11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have so many proofs in the Bible that that will work for us. That this will literally, if you hide his word in your heart, that you can run, you can turn from sin through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you, friends. 
brothers and sisters, have you thought about that? That Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has come and He lives in you. My dad is convinced, many Arminians are believe, believe this, that the Holy Spirit comes and then He leaves and He goes over there somewhere. And He's over here in Daniel and maybe he's, he, he just goes all over the place. But He is everywhere at once. He is the Holy God of heaven. And He comes and lives in us. Here's another truth that I want you to think about. Jesus said that he couldn't cast out demons unless he first bound the strong man. There is no darkness where there is light. There cannot be. If the Holy Spirit is living in you, then the devil cannot come in there. You have the power of the Bible. Jesus, Jesus Christ, the God of heaven in the form of man, resisted the devil through the word of God. In Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Have you thought about that? And I want to ask you, what sin? You don't, don't answer it. What sin are you struggling with? Have you given it? Have you really, truly taken the time to bathe it in prayer? And get in the Word. Just give that some thought. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your love and your kindness, your grace. Lord, I pray that whatever I said this morning that would bless anyone, that they would give you glory and not me. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember as we go through the next week, Lord, to, to come before you. Lord, that you've given us your holy word. That your word is spirit and we are commanded to walk by the spirit. And Lord, help us to, Father, to look to you and trust you and seek you. Help us to lift each other up in prayer, Lord. We are commanded to do that as well. And Lord, I know sometimes we fail. We become busy. We become in a hurry. Lord, help us to remember that of everything else we do, your word, the discipleship of our children, our time alone in prayer, prayer with our children, we should give other things up to do that, not give that up to do other things. So, Father, I pray this morning that you bless us through this week with the ability to look to you and trust you. We love you and we praise you for all that you do. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.